Hello and welcome back to just another football podcast. Eventful weekend. A lot has happened. Uh, the League Cup final in England and in Scotland, in fact, was played today. Just uh, the final was went like, maybe an hour ago or so. Um, wins for Man United and for Celtic. And a lot more things. Chelsea being bad again. Liverpool being bad again. Um, but uh, and a few more personal stuff, which we'll get it stuck into straight away. But Harry, how are you? How are you feeling? How are you doing? I, um, as you said, kind of an eventful weekend. Um, a lot of it kind of involving, you know, the teams around us in the table rather than our game, which I didn't watch it. It was a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. So obviously I was following the blackout on a Saturday and, and definitely didn't stream it on, you know, a dodgy platform yeah, or absolutely fire stick or anything like that. Nope. So I stuck to the rules. So I, we can't talk about our game this weekend because I didn't see any of it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, doing all right. Otherwise, um, yeah. What an episode! Weekend, as you said. What an episode yeah. this is gonna be. No, Absolutely. Mate. And I was I was out all Saturday watching the uh, Dynamo Belize game in the morning, Philadelphia Union game at night, uh, because the season in Georgia and in the United States opened on the same day. That Saturday. Uh, which was yesterday as we record two wins two wins it was uh it's a double dub day uh it couldn't have gone any better uh daniel belisi the title holders and now re-announcing intentions um is a it's a good comfortable win few like wobbles but we got through it at the end pretty comfortably um and uh, the philadelphia union winning 4-1 4-1 in a Massive opening day for the MLS, not just because it's the opening day of the season, the biggest season of all time, because it just gets bigger every year, but also because of this Apple TV deal, which we'll get into at the end. I like it. I hate it. And we'll, we'll get stuck into it more. But I had a great day yesterday. I'm under the weather today just because of how exhausting it ultimately was. The game was played and... 20 degree Fahrenheit temperature or whatever it was um, but we'll get to all of that in the end uh, because we leave the last, the best for last and Philadelphia mm-hmm. Union are certainly the best team in the MLS right now okay League Cup final dreadful yeah. game dreadful game so it, it, so bad it was a bad game but like what I would add is they normally are like not just league cup. Like I yeah, generally true. feel like a lot of cup finals don't end up being great games because, like ultimately, especially one like this where you've got two teams that you know by Man United standards not winning a trophy for six years, and obviously Newcastle are on one that's you know spans longer than half a century. Yeah. So, you know, there, there are going to be nerves. Like it means a lot to probably a lot of these players going into it. It's a cup final at you know the the national stadium of the country. Mm-hmm. Um. And it doesn't feel like you ever get a game where both teams are kind of going at it and, and really fully at their best. And that was kind of what it was here. And it kind of went like how I expected it to go, really, which was both teams are fairly well organised. Newcastle have gone off the boil a little bit and they just haven't got a goal threat at this moment in time. They're, they're really struggling to break teams down. And it felt like if they didn't score first, they would struggle because Man United kind of have the ability this season to adapt within games and, and defend a bit deeper and they're quite good when they get in front. I think they've only they've only failed to win two games um from in front all season. Mm. Um oh, wow. so that they're, they're hard to play once they take the lead. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the Palace game that obviously we beat them from behind. Yep. 
um, three days later. Um, they're a hard team to play. They're good front runners, basically, I think. Um, and Newcastle, when you look at them, I don't think they're a team set up to come from behind. So it felt like they needed to score that first goal. They had a couple of, you know, half chances here and there before Man United scored. And I think once they did, it was a bit of a procession, kind of the way it went after that. I said something last uh, episode that FJC, our good friend of the pod, kind of clipped and put on our group chat uh, the big Discord we're part of, the James All column. Yeah. And it went, I don't think Newcastle are a top four team. I don't think they have it all season. Am I wrong? Mm. I, Am I, I wrong? don't. I, uh, it's difficult because like, I actually think before the World Cup, their metrics were that of a team in the top four. Like, it, like it wasn't just they were running hot. They were good defensively and they deserved to kind of be where they were with the results they were getting. Like mm. They were actually scoring goals, creating chances. I think since kind of the turn of the year, and I thought part of it might be that they were so focused on the cup final that they kind of, and obviously Bruno was out for a few games and he's kind of quite key to them in the, in the midfield. Yeah. Um, maybe they were missing him and they're kind of looking at the Carabao Cup final, like you sort of start to look ahead. But the more I watch them, the more I think that they just struggle going forwards. Like I think when you look at their attack and you look at the attacks of the other teams around them, it, it's considerably less... Uh, stocked with quality, quite frankly, like they just don't have the firepower of the other teams around them um, to sustain. And it sounds silly because their goal difference is still very good when you compare it to the other teams in the top half. Like that, they are right there, but it feels like they've just been found out a little bit. Teams have worked out kind of how to play against them and and reduce the kind of chaotic nature of games. I think they're very good when games become quite chaotic and physical they're a very good physical team they're set up to press and win duels and and create chances that way i think once yeah. teams kind of cotton on to that and maybe allow them to have the ball a bit more and you sort of saw it in the second half they you know having 60 65 percent of the ball never really threatened you know and at two nil down i think it's one of those times you just have to go for broke and at least look like you're going to score and you might get sucker punched at the other end but it, it kind of felt like they huffed and puffed a lot and never really had the answers, I thought, to, to get back into the game. But yeah, I think it's all relative, isn't it? Because like at the start of the season, no one would have pegged them for top four. I think I had them eighth in the league and I said seventh would be a good a good finishing position. Yeah, and obviously I feel like we everyone had them. them in that sort of area. Like, yeah, that's sort of like up the table range, mm. I, I thought. I thought that the best they could achieve was best of the rest. Mostly because I didn't think Chelsea and Liverpool would be kind of as all over the place as they have been. But also just because I thought I looked at them last season and yes, they went on a great run after Christmas. But it felt like they kind of rode some very good momentum in that time. And can you really sustain that over a season and, and get enough points kind of when it matters rather than they quite quickly got themselves out of the relegation zone. And then yeah. it just became like, how high can we finish? There's not much pressure on that kind of when you're in that mid-table yeah. region where you're not going to get relegated, but you're also kind of not you've not got the pressure and stigma of a of a European battle. You kind of just, it's quite a nice zone to be in, I think, mm. kind of every week. And that's what they kind of have managed to achieve from February onwards last season. So mm-hmm. I, I think they'll still be fine. I think when I look at the table at this moment in time, the five points in front of Liverpool, they're two points in front of Fulham. And then there's a bit more of a gap to Brighton, albeit who have a game in hand and Brentford. But, if they get into, say, the Europa League, finish fifth or sixth, you can't say that's been a bad season for them. No, absolutely um, not. I think it's all about kind of, um, you know, relative expectations. So yeah. 
It'd be disappointing for them though, because that 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 wait for a trophy that was the other thing. Sort of, I, I was thinking about this morning. Like, I remember when we went nine years without winning a trophy, and we mm. got to a few semi-finals and finals in that time, and you could really tell there was kind of a mental, there was mental scarring. Players were feeling the pressure, like they really wanted to end that drought. And kind of the longer it goes on, the more pressure there is to kind of just get it done and win a trophy and get the monkey off your back. And when you look at that today, and Man United had it, you know, to a similar extent with the six-year thing for their standards, um, you look at those Newcastle players today, it's a huge burden to carry, and it's your first kind of opportunity at it. You don't really want to be coming up against a big club like Man United. It's one of those you want to get to the final and be playing a team that you should beat. But I remember when it was like that with us when we played Hull. And we, even in that game, we were 2-0 down and like really made hard work of what was quite an easy game and then Sad. funnily enough the following year mm-hmm. the following year we got to the final and played Aston Villa who were similar caliber opposition in terms of league position I think they finished 17th that year and Hull finished 18th or 17th the year before so it was sort of similar but we beat them 4-0 yeah. and it was just because we'd got the monkey off your back and you said okay there's less pressure going into it you've kind of you've bucked the trend and now you know, it's just an opportunity to keep winning trophies. Yeah. And I think that's the thing in Newcastle. They'll have to, like, grind it out, I think, to get that get that first trophy. Yeah. And once they do, I think I think they'll be fine. I mean, I don't want them to be, obviously, kind of from a rival perspective. But oh, yeah, obviously. I think that's where the hard work will be. And I think that's why, when you speak to their fans, they probably said they would take the trophy over finishing in the top four, even if top mm-hmm. four kind of springboards you a bit more. Getting that monkey off your back in terms of winning a trophy... It's a hard thing to do when you've gone so long. I don't think people probably appreciate that. Kind of, we support clubs that, in theory, are supposed to win them. Yeah. You know, and a Newcastle gone that long without winning one. So, it's um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them. But I think they'll be fine the rest of the season. It's a bit like when Liverpool went from 2012 to 2018 without winning a trophy, played the Champions League final, got beat pretty comfortably. I'll be the solid carry stuff. Uh, but it yeah. was still, you know, Real Madrid. But you ha- I think sometimes you do have to lose. Like, you have to come close. Like, we lost a, a cup final to Birmingham, for goodness sake. Like, oh, yeah, And they got relegated that year. Yeah. 2011, I think it was. They got 11. relegated oh, yes, that yes, season. Yes. They got relegated that season. And it was like, how on earth did we lose to these guys? We beat them easily in both league games. They got relegated. And yet, it, it was just madness on the day. And yeah. I feel like it will be like that with Newcastle. They'll probably get another opportunity. Maybe it'll be against the team they're supposed to beat, but I think it will be hard work until they kind of get it over the line. Um, yeah, so, and I thought it would be tough for them today because it feels like they they've gone off the ball and Man United have kind of gone the other way. They've been slowly getting better and better, and it kind of felt like the game came at crossroads for the two sides. Had it been a couple of months ago, I think it would have been a different game. But it's all you know, yeah. Given Newcastle's at this point. recent form and everything, given given the lack of goals lately. Um, but they, I mean, they still have conceded only 15 goals all season, which yeah is just impressive. Like, um, I like I can't remember many teams doing like that ratio of goals conceded per game being that low. Uh, maybe since maybe the Liverpool yeah. when when we won the league, maybe maybe that season was the close example. But uh, yeah, I don't see that often. So. You know what? Well done to them uh, for for getting this far so far. We'll see how where it kind of carries them. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that uh, Liverpool. Let's talk about Liverpool and their kind of trophy doubt and uh, getting to that final and then winning the final next season and then winning everything like winning a 
a trophy every season from then on until this season. Um, and Liverpool is a bigger topic in terms of that collapsing, which I do want to get it, get into this episode if we can, uh, because obviously lost five two to Real Madrid and drew nil nil to Crystal Palace, and it's um, the slight glimmer of hope of optimism where I was saying. Newcastle haven't been top four all season, and Tottenham are top three, top four by default, and we could really jump ahead of them. That slight glimmer of hope just crashed this week. Um, but we are still in a better place than Chelsea. Now let me yeah. let me read a, let me kind of showcase something Opta put out there for their attacking performances from this calendar year. We're in the end of February. Today's February twenty sixth. So we've passed two months of the year 2023. They have scored four goals. Four. <laughs> yeah. From 13 and a half XG, which is still bad in 11 games. Like that's super yeah. low. It's just yeah, above that's one. A goal, you know, goal a game. Yeah, like, one XG per game. Four yeah. goals. Uh, 0.1 XG per shot overall from 136 shots. Just, yeah, again, like, they played today earlier, obviously, against Tottenham. Another dreadful, 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 dreadful game. The less said about the game, the better. But it again showcased how bland Chelsea are. And kind of, it raises a bigger question of, like, what now? Like, what if this continues to happen? And what will happen in the summer since they spent all of that and they... I'm pretty sure they said they won't spend again that much in the summer, like or any significant amount of money in the summer. So what? Like, is Lukaku just gonna come back and play for them? Like, what happens? I I think so. When I look at Chelsea, the the immediate parallel for whatever reason that comes to mind is when we had that run under Arteta in the COVID season, oh. where we went on a and and hear me out on this. It's because. When you look at our metrics during that run, like we lost a lot of games, right? When you looked at a lot of the games, they were very close, kind of statistically. Like our XG would be equal to or slightly better than or slightly worse than the opposition each time. And you sort of looked at it and go, we've actually been unlucky to pick up as few points as we have. But the problem is, when you're getting 1XG or 1.1XG or whatever it is in that period that Chelsea have had per game, that is low enough over kind of a sustained period to look at it and go, Okay, you're unlucky to have have as few points as you do, but you're leaving it open to chance. Like, if your XG is kind of equal to or slightly better than the opposition's each game, that's not significant enough of a buffer to look at it and go, we're unlucky. You're leaving it open to kind of a variance each time. And when I watched them, like, don't get me wrong, they they weren't much worse than Tottenham today. Like, it was kind of a... And they weren't much worse than Southampton last week. And they probably should have beaten West Ham. Like, you go through all these games, they're quite tight games that they're drawing or losing by the odd goal. But the problem is they're not significantly better than whoever they play in any game of football. And I think when you're in that period and that stage, it was exactly the same with us, and you keep losing games. Firstly, like it's obviously bad for morale because it's kind of difficult to turn that round and, and, and obviously get it going the other way. But also, you're not, you're not operating at a level that su- suggests that you're getting super unlucky. Like Their metrics are a goal a game. If you look at them over the season, they've played 24 matches and scored 23 goals. You know, that... 
that's ne- that's not going to get it done. And you look at the stats; they're not really that unlucky to only have twenty three goals in that period. They don't oh, create not. much. Like they don't the, have many players that stick the ball in the net. Quite frankly, they, they XG per shot through eleven games uh, is is terrible. Like that's yeah, on it, average, it's, like they have you have just shows, like, from everywhere. I, I remember like. <sighs> I know it's quite, kind of quite difficult to quantify this with a manager, but I remember when Potter was at Brighton, his teams would always have quite high XG, but like quite low output relative. Yeah. Like, is there a, is there a pattern here? Like, if, if you've managed two sides that keep getting these stats where you're scoring significantly less than you should be, is it a case that you're getting unlucky? Or is it that actually you don't create that many high quality chances? You shoot quite a lot and the, and the chances you create aren't that high. So it kind of accumulates, you know, across games and actually suggests that there's a trend here. I think there's enough of a sample size here with Potter at this point in time to suggest that his teams really do blow hot and cold when it comes to scoring goals. Like, I think Chelsea might have a game this season where everything goes in and they beat a team 4 or 5 nil. I know it doesn't look like happening at the moment, but that might happen. The problem with it is that they it's not sustainable over a season to have a lot of shots and yet they be quite low quality chances kind of on each occasion um you're going to leave it open to variance as i said before and if it's like every chelsea game they could win by a goal they could lose by a goal it could be a draw they don't really get hammered very often like they've not been battered by many teams apart mm. from probably man City in the fa cup but equally it doesn't feel like they're going to go into any game and it's going to be a comfortable sort of two or three nil win and you look at it and go, okay, they can sort of string a run together. It does feel like quite hard work for them at this moment in time. I feel like the common denominator here is that there aren't good enough strikers. Um, because at Brighton, they got a lot of high-quality chances, I seem to remember. And they, the, the main striker was Neil Malpe. So, not good there. And then now their main stri- their their striker, the only striker on the team is Aubameyang, and now Kai Havertz is playing in the number nine, and there just isn't good enough attacking movement to be able to create the chances. But the common denominator is not enough quality up front, like in yep. a striker role. Um, and both, in my opinion, were poor recruitment choices. More so Chelsea than Brighton, obviously. But for two in like two very different environments. However, isn't the recruitment team from Brighton the same as the recruitment team from Chelsea now? Like I, I, feel, I seem to remember that he. Took... like they brought. They definitely brought some of them in. Yeah. Yeah, they they kind of brought a lot of the backroom staff. They in. brought a few across. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're both guessing here, uh, or I'm guessing now. But uh, it their recruitment for me in both occasions is the main reason really but he he has an idea of what he wants to do just it needs a striker and he doesn't have it it's interesting looking at it right they've got what is it like 32 players or or whatever it is on the books at this moment in time and you still look at it and think they need to sign three or four more players to improve that starting 11 slash squad and yet they then have mid 30s players they've already got too many players and they need more players and they've spent 600 million like, it, I think generally, I think there's a reason people don't build squads by spending this much money on this many players, giving them this like length of contract. There's a reason it hasn't been mm-hmm. hasn't been done. Like mm-hmm. when you look at it and think, 
is he the smartest guy in the room or is there actually a reason clubs generally shy away from this? And I think it's definitely the latter. When you look at what they're actually producing, the squad they've built, what that's actually getting for them in terms of results at this point in time, it doesn't suggest that they've kind of found a way to cheat the market and be ahead of the curve. It actually suggests that they are going for a quick fix and they've got a lot of work to do, quite frankly. They do, they do. Uh, we have a lot of work to do, Liverpool. A lot of work. <laughs> a lot, a lot, yeah. lot of work. Let's, let's get into this now. Uh, because I've had, yeah, new thoughts. I, uh... I've had new thoughts, Harry. I've had new thoughts. My thoughts previously it does... were... Go on. It's say over peace well... first and I'll respond to everything. No, I, I think I, I want to get your take because it sort of feels like we Liverpool had, had a couple of good results against Everton and Newcastle. The mood changed kind of very quickly from doom and gloom to their favourites for top four. Well, and I no, feel like kind of more, exactly more no, no. I think I was going. I think we more more. Sort of, I, I was saying more generally speaking, that was kind of the outlook, you know, from the media. Definitely, it was Liverpool suddenly became bookies' favourites for top four. You know, the narrative coming out of the media was that they could put together a run. They got players coming back. Obviously, the Champions League titles are coming. I feel like we urged a bit more caution when we spoke last week. It yeah. was, look, these have been two good results. But even in those games, like, it's not been the Liverpool of old. It's mm. It's been some good play. Like, the goals against Newcastle were good goal. They were well created, like bits of quality to set them up and good finishes. But the overall performances, like particularly the Newcastle one, like when I looked at it, it was way too chaotic for 11 against 10. And I know, I'm not saying Newcastle are a bad side because like they are difficult to play against, even if they have kind of gone off the boil a little bit. Mm. But the Liverpool of old would have won that game 3 or 4-0 and they wouldn't have got a sniff in the game, Newcastle. It would have been bad enough being 2-0 down after 20 minutes or whatever it was yeah. with 11 men on the pitch. With 10 men on the pitch, like they wouldn't have got a kick. And they actually had way too many chances in that game, I think. For a team that was playing with a man less against an opposition that, in theory, are superior to them, yeah, but Harry, looking but Harry, in the table, playing against some men is the worst thing that can happen to us. As a uh, oh yeah, listen, Nathan Jones, you know, said, yeah, head of the curve, yeah. But no, I, I just, I, I guess, like, kind of the floor is yours. Like, where are Liverpool at at this moment in time? Obviously, we're coming off the back of that result in midweek as well. Um, I thought there might be a reaction. Like, there wasn't really. Like, it was a pretty. It was a damp squib of a nil-nil in truth. Um, mm -hmm. Where where are they at at this moment in time? A damp squib of a nil-nil, but that came after a uh, the the five-two defeat to Real Madrid. That performance against Real Madrid was the kind of performance that draws a line in the sand and automatically activates. A, a reset. You know, um, Ryan Trahan, do you know the YouTuber that's called Ryan Trahan? By chance? Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he had this series where he, uh, he lived off uh, one penny for an entire month. And then he would kind of uh, entrepreneurially like reinvest the penny and like pay for a pen and then sell the pen and then get something else and yeah, keep yeah. getting his money up by, by just trading stuff and doing God jobs and, and things like that. And then someone makes a donation. It was uh, for... Um, aiding child hunger or something like that uh, it was a great cause and it raised so much money but someone if they raised a certain amount of money it would activate something called the great reset and he would go back to the one penny we need to go back to the one penny I yeah. like your analogy there that was so quite creative I just came up with it now I don't know how I remember yeah. um, I just remember the phrase the great reset and that kind of yeah 
yeah, it's, ex- it's exactly what needs to happen. There are points in time for for certain teams where they've had to had a, a cultural reset, a, a rethink of uh, of strategy, of recruitment, of um, everything really, and like with Arsenal that happened very recently, and you're on a title run now. Um, teams like Philadelphia Union did that in 2018, started to really like revolutionize uh, their uh, backroom staff and uh, get in players with an actual desire to win. Um, really like hungry players and start relying on the academy and everything. Houston Dynamo have had a similar sort of thing this year. Uh, I don't know why I'm just pulling up MLS examples at this point, but my point is we need to do that now. And the squad is at yeah. that point where it needs a lot of turnover. It needs a lot of smart turnover. It needs a lot of ruthlessness because I feel like we are too nice to uh, players who have given us everything. But they have given. When I say everything, it means everything. The battery is empty for uh, a lot of the senior squad. Um. It's aging, the midfield is aging, the defense is aging and tired and injury-prone and unreliable at this point. Unreliable. And satisfied. And I feel like with other little things as well, operationally and in terms of like fan services and the experience at Anfield and stuff like that, I watched a video of others playing and that's one sample, one video... Someone went to Anfield to experience some, some sort of VIP thing. And even he said, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was at a game of football. Like, it's, it's so bland. And mm. that, I feel like it's also... Like, it relates to that level of comfort at Liverpool. That, oh, we're successful. We're big now. We don't really need to do much. I don't know if it's a psychological thing of, you know, let's just keep doing what we're doing because we've been doing fine for, for years and years. At this point, um, the uh, the problem, the I think the biggest problem is the ownership situation. Not like not just from an FSG angle, but from the uncertainty of what they really want to do. Yeah. Because uh, a couple of quotes emerged over the last two weeks that were like, "Okay, we're not gonna sell," um, and Liverpool is a really good source of growing revenues. And that was it. Like, that was all there is to that quote and the reasoning why behind they didn't want to sell is yeah. to grow revenues. And I and I get the point that clubs, like, ownerships of any big company exist to grow revenues. But certainly, if you want to grow revenues even more, you reinvest to grow. You reinvest to grow. Like Ryan Trahan. He sells the pen. He lo- he loses value, but he like he he gets something and then he trades something to lose value, but then gets something with higher value. Um, and then he kind of he spends money on his necessities. Like he goes to McDonald's and then he loses money, but he needs to keep operating so he doesn't get tired and hungry. So he's e- able to work more. That's just how life works, right? And it should be how any footballing institution works. If you want to grow revenues, you, revenues, you need to reinvest what you have to grow. We're not doing yeah. we're not, This is a basic business concept that FSG don't, don't seem to do. 
we're spending money we're spending money i'm not i'm not saying we haven't spent 100 120 million pounds on forwards over the last 18 months but it's being spent in the wrong areas and we don't have a recruitment department now that is interested in operating that's kind of tired of the restrictions and i don't know where it goes from here i just want the season to end i really look forward to what we're going to do in the summer and i really hope it's something good because if it isn't we just become chelsea without the spend which is a dreadful dreadful thing and it feels like i don't know i don't know for a few years liverpool have been kind of the um barometer and the case study for a lot of clubs if you're sort of looking at it thinking okay well their recruitment model has been this and this has gotten you know into the position they've been and they've kind of been able to break out and actually you know challenge the likes of man city and chelsea and even man united with the revenues they generate like it's difficult for clubs perhaps like arsenal and like spurs and obviously like liverpool that are kind of more reliant on self-sustainable methods of operating to compete with that and they've shown that they've been able to do it and for so long, their kind of recruitment and what they've been able to do has been the example to other clubs. But I actually think they'll end up being a case study in the next few years for different reasons, which are you can't rest on your laurels. You can't get complacent. You can't think that the grass is always going to be greener when you've got it good, because it isn't. If you stop in this league for even a second and you rest on your laurels and you don't look at ways to improve the team and keep evolving, you know, as you've quite articulately put there, you will get left behind. If a side that can get to the Champions League final come within two points of winning the league and win both domestic trophies can go from there to this season, they're kind of nowhere. They're in the wilderness. If it can happen to them, it could honestly happen to anyone. And I think it's a lesson that other clubs will heed quite, quite, quite dearly, really, because hopefully for them. if you don't continue to... Im- yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, from your perspective, hopefully not. But like when you look at it, like th- they have had it so good and it's almost like they've kind of bought into their own hype and just thought well we'll just keep doing what we're doing this group of players is great and they'll kind of be here forever and it's like well no like you didn't get to this position by just sitting back and letting things run their course like you have to always be looking at ways to improve and evolve the team and it's not to say as you said they have spent money and they've brought in you know you look at the attack for example they have tried to kind of evolve from the three that they had into, you know, obviously they brought in Jota, they brought in Diaz, they brought in Gapo Nunes this season. And and like, um, not every signing can be a success, right? This is the other yeah, thing so. you are going to get. Maybe they had a hit rate that was maybe not proportionate with reality. Like you are going to get some signings that you bring in and they're not all going to elevate you to, you know, title challenging level. You're going to get some come in and, and just don't quite work for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're kind of seeing that happen to them all at once at this point in time where they've brought in a few players and at this moment in time they they, they aren't where they want to be. But in other positions, and we keep coming back to it in that midfield, as the age profile of it has continued to grow year by year, and that was the bedrock, I think, for the way that they've been able to play. I know that obviously they brought in Van Dijk, they brought in Allison, and the attack is the attack. But the bedrock was always, for me, the functionality of the midfield that yeah. set the tone and allowed the other players to play the way they do, particularly going forward. The fullbacks and the front three are able to play as high up the pitch and make as much happen in attack because you've got three athletic, hardworking, tenacious, you know, whatever word you want to put to it, midfielders that do that side of the game and simply put those guys at this point in time can't do it they just don't have the legs for it after you know years and years of 
hard running and you know last year was a very very intense season yeah i think it was in hindsight naive to just think yeah we'll just go again we'll just do that again we got all these players we'll keep pushing them to you know absolute maximum empty the gas tank and they'll keep be able to produce it because i think mentally and physically it's been so taxing on them and it has you you just you need to you need to evolve you need to give these guys quite frankly a breather um and have other players that chip in and are able to help you operate at the same level consistently and they've not done that in, in truth and that i think that at this moment in time is, is is kind of the assessment of it very true uh i have nothing else to add it's just it's just that's that's what you can see at this point but the season is over over i still think there's i i i that's the only thing i disagree on I, like i know it doesn't feel like it but you can still get top four you've still got to play spurs spurs are patchy like there's yeah. good results for them today this isn't me being bitter like yeah. if they get top four they deserve it but when i look at them this season they've played 25 games they've lost eight that's a third of their games they've lost this season mm-hmm. they've been quite uninspiring like there's nothing i see in spurs and and look at and think Liverpool won't be able to catch them because they're, they're very catchable. They're, they're quite a, they're a pretty poor team to be fourth. You know, like when I look at top four in kind of seasons gone by, I'm not saying the fourth place team is always brilliant. Yeah. But this Spurs team, Time Kane standard. aside, who's obviously having a great season, like he's been fantastic. He's kind of probably one of the only reasons they are where they are. Yeah. Um, Liverpool can catch them. The Liverpool, aren't, Liverpool beat them in the game earlier this season. They're not markedly worse than Spurs. You know, they did the double over Newcastle, who are, who are above them in the table. They're not markedly worse than Newcastle. Mm. It's just, they haven't quite found that consistency. Let me and, just say, the Newcastle, with context, that we shouldn't have won the first game. Just, just Yeah, po- possibly. But I think for you, Ali, like your standards are, and, and quite rightly, have been operating at the level that you know, Man City are at this season and have been, oh, and yeah. we're at this season. Even Man United, I mean, we didn't really speak about them, but like they're, they've, they're in a good groove at the moment. They're doing very well. And that's the level you've been at. But what I'm saying is you don't have to be at that level to get fourth place this season. Mm. And then, then you could probably kick on from there and go, do you know what? We got it wrong last summer. We didn't do enough. We haven't mm. done enough in the last couple of years. That's the window where you kind of, you need to have a good summer window because if you don't, I think your fans will be looking at it and thinking, well, what did we wait for? Like, what? Why did we essentially waste a season? Because you have, it feels like you've Jude kind of wasted Bellingham, a Jude season Bellingham, this year. Jude Bellingham, Jude Bellingham. And, and, and look, Madrid. that signing may and probably will happen. But like, if it doesn't, I think there's such pressure that that signing. It's a bit like Arsenal with Declan Rice now. For, like, and I know we're having a great season, but we didn't get anyone in this window. Yeah. And it feels like all your eggs kind of go into that basket. And if that doesn't happen, you look at it and go, well. Like, what were we doing? You know, like, why couldn't we get something done earlier? Yeah. And it'll be the same for Liverpool. Like, if they don't get Bellingham, it'll be, well, why on earth did we bring in, was it Arta Mello on deadline day and nothing else? Like, what the what was the uh, point in wasting the season? So, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I get you being doom and gloom. I, I, you not, know, it's I'm hard. I'm not exactly but... doom and gloom. I'm just, I don't Beep. feel that we have enough. Sick of this season. I'm sick of, I'm sick of the season. That's first. Because it's all relative, isn't it? Like, if you hadn't been as good as you have been last year and in years gone by. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, would, and... it probably doesn't feel like a disaster. Uh, apart from us being top, Tottenham's season doesn't feel like a disaster because that's oh, yeah. kind of the level they usually operate, yeah. operate at, which is scrapping for top four. Yeah. Expectations change what then becomes a really awful season. Yeah. Like, Liverpool could still get fourth, but it would feel like a bad season. We... It will be a bad season because we're we're like success to us now, given what we did from the period of 2017 to 2022. 
a successful season is a season where we win at least one trophy. Like, that's yeah. the reality now. And we haven't done that. And we haven't done that because of recruitment errors. Like, big, big, big recruitment errors that are completely avoidable. And wide, like, spread fan discussion warned of that. And it's only fan discussion, but it turns out the fans are right. You know? Yeah. Uh, that is why I'm kind of... I'm, I'm really negative about Liverpool. I, I am. Do I think there is a chance of a top four? I do think so. Not big. Not a big chance, but there is. Uh, but the, I think the main reason why I'm, I'm this negative is that all of that was avoidable. And we could have had a much, much better season if it weren't for um, just very avoidable, avoidable mistakes and more, just more action, more proactivity, more people doing their jobs, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I get it completely. Uh, Liverpool and everything is relative. Like I'm speaking as if it's like there are clubs out there in the pyramid that are like barely existing. Like it's all I'm. I'm spoiled. Like boohoo, we're seventh in the Premier yeah. League. No, no, we all are. You we know? all are. It's all it's all expectations, and it's relative to that. Exactly. Quite frankly. Exactly. Um, at, at least our uh, neighbors. Uh, but yeah, down the other side. I thought you might Park. somehow get that one in there. To be fair, <laughs> or, uh, yeah, they're going down, aren't they? They're going down. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very reluctant to say it because we've got them in midweek, and Ooh, they've already beaten you? front. Oh, we've wow. got them in midweek. I know it's mad. We've only just, we've like we only just played them, but we've got yeah. them again. But that rescheduled game from September. Mm-hmm. Um, it really pisses me off, actually. Like, firstly, the fact that they beat us, and then I know they beat Leeds, but like, they've been crap since they beat us in the games yeah. that they've played. Like, even the game they won against Leeds, it was a terrible match of football. It could have easily been nil-nil. Um, Calvert-Lewin plays against us, like, looks the bollocks for 70 minutes, and then he's injured, doesn't play a minute since. It's just like... <laughs> It's so typical. Like, I look at that game in hindsight, and it's just kind of like the perfect storm. Like, we basically walked into a buzzsaw that then the power just gets switched off kind of after we've been through. And it's like, honestly, I do think we'll beat them at home. Like, don't get me wrong, we should absolutely wipe the floor with them. But, like, looking at them, they are dreadful. They, they, They... they basically can do one game plan, which is what they were able to do against us, like double up on wingers, be compact, have athletic midfielders, set pieces, be direct. Like it's all that sort of stuff. Like it's pretty traditional, you know, Sunday league stuff. That, There's more context to it, but that's basically it. Yeah. But like they can execute that game plan. The thing is, you can't do that against like poorer sides because they'll come and the onus will be on you know you as the home team to kind of beat them, especially Emery's Villa, which. You know, Emery is a manager. He he is obsessed with what the opposition are doing. So, you know, he'll be reacting to you reacting to him, and it kind of just becomes a bit of a stalemate. Uh, I don't think it was a penalty. The the, the penalty that Aston Villa got must be said. Um, I oh. think I think he gets I think he gets the ball. There's an angle where he gets a toe on the ball. I thought. Oh, I saw, um, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was a bit harsh. Yeah, um, but even still. <sighs> They are poor, and they're definitely in it. Like I, I, when I look at that relegation scrap at the moment, it's really interesting because, you know, we played Leicester on Saturday. They were, I think, thirteenth or fourteenth when it kicked off. They're still fourteenth, but they're only four points above Everton, who are eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Like all the way up to, not, I can't believe Nottingham Forest are thirteenth. Like they've been pretty good at home. They've had a few good results at home, and suddenly they're 
you know, midway up the bottom half of the table. And West and Ham wiped the floor with them in that second half. And West Ham battered them. Yeah. yeah. Like, they've been really poor away from home, Forest. Like, that they, I think the only thing keeping them afloat is the fact that they are pretty solid at home. Like, they seem to grind out some results because on their travels, they've been absolutely die. I don't think they've gotten a way win all season. They've been absolutely diabolical. So, you know, you'd say they're still in the relegation battle. I think it's mm. sort of, I, like, I know West Ham are down there. I know Wolves are sort of down there. And I know Leicester are down there. I don't think any of those three get relegated. I think they've got, all got enough quality kind of in different ways. Um, I think Forest are in it. I think that I think they're the team that could get dragged down. And then I think it's the bottom four that are there at the moment. I think it's three from that five. I think the two you'd kind of definitely look at and say, bang in trouble are Southampton and Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Southampton lost to Javi Gracia's Leeds on Please. Saturday. Got their first win since bonfire night, um, which they bo- bloody well, hold needed. On, what? Bon- 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 yeah, that was their first win since bonfire night. Fifth of November was their last league win. November, okay. Uh, you know bonfire night? Uh, no, not familiar. Is that an English thing? English thing. No, it's uh, basically yeah. Uh, we won't get into the historical relevance of it, but it's the fifth of November. You can Google it after we finish recording. Okay, is it um, something anything graphic or like? To do no, with... we just set off a load of fireworks, basically. Oh, okay. Fourth um, of July then. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you want to put it, there's a bit more to it than that, but okay, um, cool. I think it's the bottom four plus Forest who could get dragged down into it. And I think it it will come down to kind of Everton and then the two that will, you know, at this moment in time are above them. Um, mm. They're in trouble, Everton, because I, I don't see where there's enough goals in that team. You talk about Mopet at Brighton earlier. He's obviously playing for them at the moment. He's got uh, 17 he's ab- goals. 17 goals. He's absolutely it? dreadful. Mm. Like, he, he really is just a terrible footballer. Like, and I, I know I risk saying this ahead of playing them on Wednesday because I'm sure he'll be as, you know, annoying to play against as he usually is. Clear but... That. I mean, he's just a—he's just an awful footballer. Like you know, like this—he's—he's he's absolutely dreadful, quite frankly. So it's so funny. Yeah, um, just exist purely to annoy Arsenal fans, quite frankly. Yeah. As do Everton Football Club. So mm-hmm. you know, they're—they're they're well in the relegation battle, no doubt about that. I don't think it's been kind of Dyche comes in and you know they win a few games and they're out of it. Like they—they're down there for a reason. They're not very good. Okay, the results from this weekend. Uh, Everton losing and then Leeds winning and jumping above them and West Ham taking out Nottingham Forest out of nowhere and all of that compels me to ask you to pick three. So pick three. Um, as I said, I think the bottom two, so Southampton, Bournemouth, mm-hmm. kind of in any which order. And then I think the third... Oh, it's tough. Mm. I think it might be Nottingham Forest, and I know that looks oh, silly wow. at the moment. I just don't it's see not, them getting any wins silly. away from home because I like I look at the other two. Don't get me wrong; it could easily be Everton, um, mm. and it could easily be Leeds. Mm. But I, I I see them doing enough, and I look at Forest. And I think that they've been good at home, but that only gets you so far if you cannot pick up any points away from home. And Everton are bad away from home. You know, let's not get away from that i think it's more the sort of sean dyche element to it that i'm giving them a little bit more credit in the bank that i probably shouldn't be quite frankly because it's unseen like we haven't actually seen them under dyche for very long at all yeah and what we have seen they were great against us and obviously they've got the result against leeds but i thought they were terrible at anfield like i know it was two 0 like they usually use that lose that game but they offered absolutely nothing um 
and then obviously lost at the weekend. So a lot of unknowns with them, and it could easily be Everton, it could easily be Leeds. But I, I, I don't know. I just see Forrest getting dragged into it. Mm-hmm. I really do. So I'm going to kind of throw a left field one and say them. Okay, I like it. And their fans won't like that. As, as you, uh, as you uh, were talking about it there, I went to understat and kind of looked at the away record. And Nottingham Forest are bottom in away record. Yeah. They, yeah. They've scored three away goals all season. Yeah. Conceded 29 yeah. in 12 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, gathered six points from a win and three draws. Um, oh, they have won a game. There you go. So they I'll have won a game. And who did they beat? I can't even. I, honestly, I couldn't even tell you who that was against. I don't know. It's probably one of. Had the it in my head, they hadn't. Yeah, I mean, I had it in my head. They hadn't won an away game, but well, even still, worst away record in the league. I mean, yeah. it only gets you so far, quite frankly. Yeah, but I will say that. Oh, they beat Southampton. There you go. Southampton. They beat Southampton okay. in January. Yeah, I mean, we didn't beat Southampton, so I suppose I can't give them that much stick. But <laughs> sure. you know. Uh, Leeds, West Ham, and Everton have all also won just one game away from home all season. I've basically not said Everton, Ali, if you haven't cottoned on yet, because I'm wary of jinxing it for Wednesday. Yeah, I, And if you'd asked me on Wednesday who's going to get relegated, I wouldn't have said Bournemouth, because we've got Bournemouth on Saturday. So it oh, really, really is just kind of... <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, we, we've still got to play quite a lot of the teams at the bottom at home, so we can have a big say in this relegation battle, quite frankly. You um, could. But yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to stick with my prediction. I, I don't rate Forest away from home. I can't see how they get many wins at all. Sure. Um, and I think they could get dragged into it. I'm going to say Southampton, Bournemouth and Everton, which feels easy to say. That's completely but, unsurprising. Um, <laughs> I, it, it feels easy to say, but I Everton are... Bad man, Everton are bad. Leeds, it's partly that Everton, I, f- I think, are the worst team, and partly because uh, new manager bounce, and partly because there are a lot of Americans in Leeds, and we need we need the American. <laughs> Any words on Aaron's performance this weekend? No, I, I didn't watch. I'll ask you. <laughs> okay. I know he That's got right. something, then they immediately scored. Which and then they immediately scored. Anyways. He's my boy still. He's my boy, and I'll support him to the hilt. Just like Fergal supports Tammy. Oh, wow. Look at that Very transition. Smooth. Love Very that. smooth. Tabs on Tammy. He's, it's a shame he's not here. It's it's a real shame Fergal and George aren't here for the Chelsea slander that was thrown onto them. Um, okay. So the tabs on Tammy, uh, it's, it's not really changed much. Roma are third. They've been kind of between fourth and third. They're solid. But everyone is so far away from Napoli that there's like there's nothing else. Yeah, it's become a procession. It's a procession yeah. for Napoli. Napoli have just won again. Um but they are they have they have won against Salzburg and uh, got a two 0 win against Salzburg in the Europa League. Beautiful goal from Pablo Dybala there. Uh, love the ball. Um but Inter lost one 0 to Bologna and they are still second. Which doesn't yeah. feel like like Inter when I thought like before looking at the table, I was wondering where Inter are at, having seen the result, and I thought they would be cut something like fifth, and they're second still. It's because everybody yeah. else is dreadful at Napoli are so. It's a, it's a poor league good. at the moment. It really is a poor standard. Uh yeah, apart from Napoli. Uh, yeah. Bundesliga. You 
this this morning <laughs> this morning harry you were saying on um, um, that that uh james all got discord how i keep bleating on about uni berlin and I, yeah i, I just wondered if you've got anything to say about them today uh i was really hoping they win against the uh, pyron so i can do it again but they lost three nil yeah it's gonna be a presentation for Bayern at this point right well listen i didn't know i never said anything uh, the <laughs> other fascinating thing is Borussia Mönchengladbach, who won against Bayern 3-2 and then lost to Mainz 4-0? Like, what? See, he's yawning. I mean, he's yawning. <laughs> it's, no, no, I'm not yawning at that. I'm yawning at perhaps it being a possession. I, I, I do find the Bundesliga interesting because the results are just a bit bonkers. Like, yeah. you've a couple in the last few weeks. Yeah. Like, I find it a more in- interesting league than something like Syria, I have to be honest with you, just because some of the teams in there are all over the place and it kind of makes for good neutral viewing, um, the way the games are played. Yeah. But in terms of overall quality, um, again, you... I thought Leipzig put in a you know decent showing against Man City in the Champions League. They probably did better mm. than I, I thought they would do. Um, obviously, Dortmund beat Chelsea. Mm. So maybe I'm kind of not in a position of strength to be talking about the... Uh, German league in comparison, but yeah, Horror yeah, it, in Europe, yeah, overall, the Premier. It first at the Premier League at this moment in time. Obviously, two of the best teams in the Premier League aren't in the Champions League; they're in the Europa League. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like it's probably not the best reflection of the league at the moment. Um, the way the English teams are sort of performing domestically, um, but you know, I could still see one of them winning it. Not Spurs, and not Chelsea, and not Liverpool. So yeah, you know, definitely. I can still see one of them winning it. Yep. <laughs> uh, yes, Matt City. Cool. Yeah. Um, there was there was something we did. It was it was a something on Matt. I can't remember what the word was. It was a really weird kind of word, but it was something on Matt Doherty. So we can kind of take a, a look at his performances. And we still haven't come up with a name yet, but we don't need to because he's. Had four games with Atletico Madrid all on the bench. He's played zero minutes so far. Um, <laughs> like I'd say four, four great bench warming performances. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they they're sitting in fourth, two away from Real Betis or fifth. Sure, Raya Vallecano sixth continues to be a great story, I suppose. Although they have like one seven drawn seven lost se- uh, sorry one nine drawn seven lost seven so. Yeah, not the best record. Yeah. Scored twenty nine goals and conceded twenty five. Like this is a very mid table kind of thing, which yeah, tells you about very, the unpredictability yeah. of the results, I suppose, in that middle pack. But uh, yeah, they're having a relatively good season uh, compared to the rest. Barcelona lost today actually to Almeria, one nil, but are still seven clear. So no panic there. Awesome. like. <sighs> I wasn't especially impressed with them in the two Europa League games against Man United. I thought Man United were good. I thought Barca were like quite poor. Like the one thing that's obviously been a facet of their season in La Liga is how few goals they've conceded. Yep. And I sort of watched the two games and thought, well, I'm not really sure how that is because they don't look especially great at the back to me. But I can't argue with the record. I mean, eight goals in 23 games is obviously very good. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a strange one. Like, obviously, watching Real Madrid and Real Madrid are just bizarre. Like when they hear that Champions League anthem, it's kind of like they become a different team. Yeah, but <laughs> like looking at that, and then you watch Barca against Man United over the two legs, and you're just like, 
how on earth is one of these teams seven clear of the other, and and obviously ten before this weekend? Um, because Barcelona just, hear the dreadful Europa League anthem and just yeah, it demotivates. But they yeah, did get, get groups in the Champions mood. League as well. It's, I mean, it's they're they're struggling financially. They they obviously pulled all these economic levers, you know, to to try and uh, to try and get them you know, further in Europe. That was the whole kind of objective with it. They needed to go so far and, and, and they, got they haven't done that. <laughs> they've, they've actually gone out of the earliest stage, I think for 30 years, I heard someone say, when they when they went out to Man United. Because yeah. they went out of, before the round of 16, which yeah. in any European competition. So, yeah, pretty awful from them. But yeah, I know, they're still doing well in the league. You can't argue with that. Horrible. Okay, uh, so the MLS season started, as I mentioned. We're getting into the, the the final phase of the episode, and Short King of the Week is coming up. Uh, but before that, I'll let you think about the Short King of the Week. I have my pick already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, w- I kind of wanted to talk about the MLS a little bit because it is very exciting. And as I said before, I still have a couple of bones to pick with the launch of the season pass. So the story here is, for any of those unfamiliar, which I'm sure all of our English audience aren't because... Nobody cares about the MLS outside of the US. The story here is MLS have made or like they reached a deal with Apple to have all MLS games on Apple TV. Previously, there would be geo restrictions depending on like NFL style geo restrictions depending on where you're at. You have access to certain games, certain games not. And then there will be like multiple platforms you can watch on a bit like england you have amazon prime and bt and sky and whatever uh here we had tudn and fox and espn and um and it got it got confusing uh so nobody could really follow the mls so now it was like okay everything is on apple now everything's gonna be on the same one platform with a 7 30 local time kickoff time most of the time like it's very defined but a few problems, a few problems. The, the production quality is amazing. But first of all, so I was lucky enough to get the season pass through my like cell phone provider. T-Mobile made the pass available, available free for everyone. That's like a $100 value, though. So one, to, to expect fans that don't care about the MLS and watch European competitions, which is most of soccer fans in the U.S., to pay $100 just to follow their local league while also having 40% of the games on uh, for free, which is a positive thing. Uh, I don't see where they would get the revenue, f- like where they would pay or like where they would expect people to pay $100. Even the most dedicated of fans, which are season ticket holders, have the pass for free as well. So there's a massive question of who's going to subscribe. Uh, apart from T-Mobile subscribers and MLS season ticket holders. Uh, but the other thing is, and I, and I want to kind of find a reason for this, and I've failed so far. There are no highlights on YouTube. And there are no highlights that I can find anywhere else. Like, I came back last night. I want to relive the game. It was a brilliant game, brilliant atmosphere. The place was packed, despite it being super cold. And I had... A really good time, right? I want I, I came back. I wanted to watch again. I wanted to watch the four goals, and you know, 
all the other games that I missed. And there's just nothing on YouTube. It's baffling. And then I asked on Twitter and on Reddit today, where can I find highlights? And it turns out it's on, uh, on the website, on the MLS website. But not all the highlights are there, and apparently it's the, highlight, the highlights are going to be out tomorrow on Facebook? Who uses Facebook? For God's sake. Yeah. But if the whole thing with MLS, with the, with the Apple deal, is to grow the league and attract neutral fans to the MLS. So if you're not putting highlights up on YouTube, what do you expect? I don't get it. It's not a great look. Quite frankly, that's not, it's not good, <laughs> not right? great. Though. You're not you're not doing your job marketing the league if if that is the case. Um, I don't know how you expect to bring in any any new audience to the game. Um, no idea. Not a good look. I mean, I was I was up until yesterday, until up until last night when I saw there were no highlights on YouTube. I was optimistic about the season pass because there are so many free games, and because every T-Mobile subscriber is has it for free, you can simply switch your cell phone provider. Yeah. And just get the pass for free. Like, this is amazing, right? But then, there's no highlights on YouTube. Can't watch the highlights mm-hmm. anywhere. Come on. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I am still excited about the Union. Uh, uh, we're, we came back. I, I was a little bit afraid of the defeat in the MLS Cup Final. I don't know if you remember, but it was when yeah. Gareth Bale scored Heart the 3-3. Three, three. Gareth Bale with a header. Yeah. Yeah, and then we lost the penalties. Yeah. I was wondering about the psychological aspect of, you know, overcoming that, but we are mint. We're still so good. Uh, and we made it's a hit. Hey, one good. of your teams is doing well. Uh, yeah, at least one of my teams is doing well. And another one of my teams that I don't believe right now, uh, who, uh, who I started video scouting for recently, uh, they're doing quite well too because we also won the opening game of the season. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. good. My shocking yeah. of the week, though, is a great story. Joaquin Torres, the five foot five, shiny bright, new talent in attacking midfield for the Philadelphia Union. Normally, we don't buy wingers because we play a diamond. Joaquin Torres is the closest thing to a winger that we've played. He can play all across the front three. The first thing he does, and I would encourage everyone watching this episode or listening up to that point to watch the goal. Go and find yourself the goal. I know it's like you find it on the socials of Philadelphia Union. Uh, the first thing he does comes on. The next pass is to him. He turns away, like takes the first touch away from the defender. Defender catches up with him. The defender is six foot six. Joaquin Torres is five five. That just makes it even better. Joaquin Torres holds him up, like holds the ball up with his back. And then kind of turns away, swivels around the defender, so it gets away from him. Uh, midfielder Darlington Nagby comes across, and he immediately sees him, and like 360 Zinedine Zidane turns him and opens up the space for himself. So he turns and finds Julian Carranza, our striker, already on a goal. And then the, it was just the perfect, the perfect pass. Like the, it couldn't have been any better. Julian Carranza didn't have to do anything at all. Didn't have to break stride. Just needs to hit it one time, a cross goal, fires in bottom corner. It's 4-1. Brilliant, brilliant goal. One of the best I've seen in that stadium over the past year because I've been with them for a year at this point. Just beautiful. And I was right behind the goal. It was such a privilege to witness. He is, 
to me, to me personally, I know it won't be for you or for Fergal or George or anybody else, the most worthy short king of the week so far. To me, right. uh, you know what? I can't follow kings. that. You, you should have let me go first because, like, like, genuinely, I hadn't thought of one. But like, even if I had, how do I follow that? Like, <laughs> you've got some five foot five guy holding off a six foot six guy putting a it's goal glorious. on a plate. What more can you ask for? Like, quite frankly, it's so it's. If that's not worthy of being crowned short king of the week, then I'm not quite sure what is. So, Joaquin Torres, congratulations! Congratulations, Joaquin Torres! Well beautiful debut. Uh, more You've to come, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, beautiful four-one win to to kick off the season. Brilliant to see. We went one nil yeah. down actually, and it was quite tense for a little while. Um, Never in doubt, man. Never. We in just doubt. ran them over. Uh, all right. Was there? Uh, Anything else you'd like to add, Harry, before we uh, finish this off? No, not really. Um, just, again, congratulations to Joaquin Torres. Yep. Um, Chelsea is still shit. Yep. Uh, Spurs are lucky. Uh, Man United still. might be quite good, which worries me a little bit. But, you know, we'll, we don't need to finish the podcast on a negative note from my perspective. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I guess it's that's the end of the episode. It's been a pleasure as always, Ali. What can I say? Thank you. Harry. Goes without saying at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. Thank you, Harry. Appreciate it. And uh, next week, Pleasure, uh, we'll be back when Everton. Yeah, we'll put those Chelsea guys, you know, under the pump to dodge the episode here. You know, yeah. as we skewer their team. <laughs> but don't uh, worry. I'm sure they'll lose again, and they'll be back next week. So yeah. uh, they, they can't escape anymore. They, it will just... yeah, exactly. You can only put it off so long. Yeah. Well, well, they'll have to go at some point. No, this is bad. This is not going to get any good. And it will be good <laughs> content. Except the toxic positivity of, oh, there's gonna, there's direction there. I didn't think the season is going to be go- going good anyway. Oh. We're fine. No, no, it's terrible. Lucky it's lads, terrible. yeah. All right. Absolutely. Cool. Well, we'll hopefully see uh, Harry and George next week then. Hopefully it's another bad result for Chelsea. Hopefully. All right. Harry, thanks okay. so, so much. Thank you, Thank everyone, you, for watching. Um, that was a beautiful episode. So we'll be back with more next week. Cheers. See you later. Thanks. Nice.